Well, hello everybody out there in uh, digital land. This is Pastor Mark Robinette. And, um, hey, I was going to give a recap for you for the message on Sunday. In fact, it's actually Sunday for me right now, too. I'm actually on the way to see my mother in the hospital. And I thought I'd do a little recap on the sermon for those of you that either weren't there to hear it or who just need a little reminder as you're working through your week. Alright, so my text was from John chapter 10, and um, it was Jesus speaking to the Pharisees um, right following the Feast of Tabernacles. Throughout the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, Jesus arrives on the last day, has some pretty serious interaction with them heals a blind man who was blind from birth. You remember this from last week's sermon. And, you know, even though he heals the blind man who was blind from birth, they are all about wanting to know how he did it. And I didn't actually do a recap for last week's sermon, so I'll include a little bit of it on here. Um, the amazing thing, there's a couple really neat and interesting pieces to the puzzle here. Jesus, the way he heals the the man um, is he spits on the ground. He makes clay and puts the clay on the man's eyes, tells the man to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And then the man, when he washes, is healed. And he, he never saw Jesus. He didn't ask Jesus to heal him. And so Jesus makes this great picture of salvation, how we are blind, how this is a condition, you know, it's like being lost, we're lost, we're blind to him, we don't have faith, we don't even reach out to God, but he reaches out to us. So he sends him to the pool of Siloam, and the Sunday before last, I preached on that, and how on the day of the feast, Jesus cries and says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Well, for seven days during the Feast of Tabernacles, they had brought water from the Pool of Siloam, which is also known as the Pool of Messiah. And on the last day, he was basically declaring that that water from the Pool of Siloam, that the well of salvation, the well of Messiah, uh, that that was him. So there's a little backstory that's, that's needed. Now, after he did this, all they kept asking his parents and him and the people around was, how did he do this? How did he do this? And when they would explain it, um, his mode of doing it bothered them and the day of the week. So he did this on the Sabbath day. And one of the neat things that I discovered is that there are Sabbath rules for spitting. Now, I had heard of some other Sabbath rules that I thought were crazy, but this one's a little bit this was very, very particularized to the story. So one of the crazy things you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath according to the Jewish tradition, not according to uh, the laws of Scripture, but, but, but according to their tradition, you know, you're not allowed to look in a mirror because you might, be, you might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it, and that would be considered reaping. And you were allowed spitting on the Sabbath, but you were, you had to spit on a tree, a rock or a wall. And you weren't allowed to spit on the ground because 
the spit could be stirred up and be turned into mortar and it would be like work. So Jesus was coming against all of these extracurricular rules that have been added to the Sabbath. He's healing this man on the Sabbath and instead of seeing him for the Messiah and seeing proof of who he is, what do they see? Uh, they see a man they think is possessed with a devil and a man who needs to be put to death. Jesus shows them that this is evidence of their ungodly hearts. That no matter what he does, no matter what he says, no matter if he appeals to their uh, the, the, their scriptures, you know, that they have known, um, that no matter what he does, they're not going to hear, they're not going to see. So there's this great picture of salvation there. So so now we're fast-forwarding. Jesus uh, has gone up to the Mount of Olives. He's come back. Um, and he's taught there again. He declares before Abraham was, I am, after they are appealing to Abraham to trump his arguments from Moses and David. He explains to them before Abraham was, I am. They take up stones to kill him, so now he's gone. So Jesus, as he's on his way... Uh, those that are still sticking with him and talking to him, he tells them, hey, um, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. Uh, and he begins to lay out what bad shepherds do. You know, the, the, you know, the good shepherd, he comes through the door. The good, the good shepherd, the sheep know him. He cares for them. He loves them. He feeds them. He's invoking very, very ancient themes from the Old Testament, which start in Genesis 49, uh, where Jacob is blessing Joseph and calls him the shepherd of Israel. And of course, that's Moses writing the words of Genesis, and he's remembering this, and of course, it's a picture of Messiah who's coming. So from Genesis through all the scriptures, the the uh, even those written by the shepherd boy who became King David, uh, all the way into the, the prophets, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Hosea, all of these guys mention this theme, and in particular, Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Um, Jeremiah and Ezekiel each have a long discourse on God's condemnation of the shepherds of Israel. And so as Jesus begins to talk about the good shepherd and what the good shepherd is like, um, they're all in agreement till they realize that he is invoking this ancient truths and these ancient prophecies of judgment and condemnation out of the leaders of Israel. So one of the things that I could see here is, you know, it's, it's one thing to be blind and deaf to the truth, to miss Messiah to not know any better, to be dead in your trespasses and sins and unable to recognize Messiah when he comes, uh, that is a condemnation which, you know, he could level. But what he does is he convicts them of their wanton disregard for the people of Israel, their, their lack of care for them, their feeding themselves from them and benefiting from them and not laying down their life for the sheep. And so, uh, so these, these, uh, these curses, these woes, these, uh, words against the shepherds of Israel from Ezekiel and 
Jeremiah, and honestly, I'm driving down the road, I'm trying to remember which is which. I believe it's Jeremiah 50 and Ezekiel 34, but it could be the other way around. But uh, there are these lengthy, lengthy discourses on uh, these these bad shepherds who don't protect from lions and wolves and the sheep are scattered and, and they become the prey of the land, but that's not what God's going to do. God's going to be like... like uh, like David. In fact, it even invokes David, even though he had been dead for hundreds of years, God promises that he was going to put David to be shepherd over his people. And of course, that is Messiah. So when the Jews are hearing Jesus' words, at first they're with him until he turns and he basically begins to compare them and the way that they've lived to the way that these ungodly condemned shepherds of Israel uh, were judged by God in the prophecies of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, actually also in Hosea and Micah as well. So in the midst of this, Jesus is just bringing this down. Now, we, we understand that the condemnation of these leaders uh, is going to end up being the condemnation of all of the leaders for all of these hundreds of years, that the great judgment that's going to come on Jerusalem here in AD 70 uh, this this the stuff that Jesus talks about in Matthew 23 uh, when he when he whoa whoa you know woe to you blind guides um, here's what's going to happen you know destruction is going to come this temple is going to be destroyed and Jesus lays it out pretty plain in Matthew 24 that this horrible judgment is coming upon these people who have it's not just that they missed it it's that they took advantage that they fleeced that they fed themselves from the flock. Well, the main application that that I got, uh, and I was trying to forward on, you know, to the to all of to all of us uh, in this message of Jesus being the good shepherd, is you know it's very easy for us to look around at the churches of today and see how people are not doing the right thing, uh, and we could do that, um, but I really think it'd be more productive for us you know, to say, are we taking the example of the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, who feeds, and I mean, he really does do a wonderful job of, of, of laying out um, a comprehensive way of care, protects, feeds, leads, and doesn't just keep us from harm, but he leads us you know, beside the still waters. He leads us to the green pastures. He restores our soul. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And so God is not just wanting to warn us from being bad shepherds. He's wanting to uh, remind us of what the good shepherd is like. And the way the good shepherd works today is the scripture says that, that his spirit works in us. And as we pastor our children, as we are their shepherd. God gives us our wives and our children. Uh, that the way that we are to lead is not to be like they led, uh, getting what we can from our wives and our children, or creating a life for ourselves, but literally losing ourselves, uh, being like being like Christ. As Jesus said, as he was getting ready to die. Later, we know all power is given to me, and and because of this, it, it said it said, and knowing that all of these things have been given to him, he went and got a towel and wrapped around him and began washing the feet of the disciples. I mean, what a, 
what, you can't get any more poignant of an example. Knowing that he has all this power, he begins washing feet. He wanted us to understand that the most powerful, most beautiful, most Messiah-like, most good shepherd-like way to behave ourselves is not in ruling with a heavy hand over those that God has put under us, but to live a self-sacrificing, self-denying life. That's what God is calling us to as we lead our wives and our children as an elder, as I pastor the church. You know, are we going out and finding the lost? Are we inconveniencing ourselves? Are we feeding them? Or are we just, you know, all we're we're doing our job, whatever it's called upon to do? Uh, Or are we taking a proactive approach to do what? What did Jesus say? He said, the thief comes but to, to kill, to steal, and destroy. And he's not saying the thief as in the devil, which is the way I've always heard the scripture applied. Uh, you know, in conversation among people. Oh, the thief, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He was comparing those shepherds who did not put their people first and who did not lay down, that they were the thieves. That they were the ones who are killing and destroying. And that, that Christ is saying, hey, I'm the good shepherd. I've come to lay down my life for my sheep. And so the question is, he said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So it's not just, are we making sure our kids aren't, you know, uh, influenced by the world? Or are we going to make sure that the doctrine is pure? Are we going out and trying to bring the lost sheep in? Are we are we leaving the 99 and going to the 1? Are we um, laying down our lives and the things that we would like to do, are we putting ourselves first or are we putting ourselves last? And so, basically... That's the summation. This week, actually, the sermon was shorter than normal. I don't know if anybody noticed, but our service was a little bit shorter. I've been trying to, um, when I can, with all of the children we have and, and all that goes on, try to be try to get to the point as, as, as quick as possible. So it's not a big, giant, theological, hard thing to understand. It's very, very direct. And, and it was very important in the work of Christ... To, he's, he's showing depravity and a lot of the things that there's nothing they can do about. But then he showed the utter condemnation uh, that rested upon them uh, because of their willful self-service, because of their lack of care for the sheep. And so may the Lord inspire all of us as we seek to please our master and we follow our good shepherd, the good shepherd of our soul. May the Lord bless you. I hope you guys have... A great day, Montgomery's. We missed you twice in a row. I'm sure that was very frustrating uh, having your tire blow out last week and uh, not getting anybody to help. And this week having strep throat. We love you. Been thinking about you. Um, I just met my neighbor who's uh, was in the Navy. And anyway, we can talk about that later when I see you. But uh, we missed Chapman's today too. Uh, they're out on a an outing. Uh, I don't exactly know where, but I know they're doing some bow practice, shooting, some sort of a thing. And uh, we missed you guys, too. May the Lord be with you. And uh, we'll see you uh, on the other side when you come back. Bye now.